Hello and welcome to the LifeGate Free Will Baptist Podcast. We are so glad you could join us today. Our aim is to connect with others and share the good news of the gospel, that God loves us, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, and that anyone can have eternal life through trusting in him alone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with your loved ones. Additionally, you can contact us by using the information provided in this episode's description. Now, let's join Pastor Jason for a sermon on storing treasure. So uh, this morning we're going to be in the book of Luke, the book of Luke. Now we haven't started the Christmas series or anything yet, and uh, that may be in the, in the works here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, right now we're going to be in the book of Luke. We're going to be in the Luke chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and turn there this morning. And I do appreciate you being here this morning and being a part of the service and looking forward to what God's going to meet us with this morning and help us to have a, a, a just a slightly different perspective uh, than maybe we did before. And we pray God will do that for us. And I guess I better find my sermon before I go too far, huh? But we're going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. We're going to start off in about verse 13, give you a little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus is speaking to literally thousands of people at the beginning of this chapter. It says that they, uh, meantime they were gathered together in numberable multitude of people insomuch that they trode upon one another. And he began to preach to them. You go through the, the rest of the first part of that chapter if you back up and read it there. Uh, it's a great read. And we're going to start off in verse number 13 is where we're going to start at though. And the, but God goes over um, those things about fearing God and those that the uh, every hair on your head is numbered. And if you ever wonder where that come from, it come out, out of uh, Luke chapter 12, the first part of that chapter. He talks about uh, confessing Christ before men, or if you deny Christ before men, he'll deny you before the Heavenly Father. And uh, then he gets on to this last subject here. That, well, the subject we're going to look at today, not the last subject in the chapter, but the last subject we're going to look at today is uh, the prosperous farmer. And uh, we're going to look at that uh, particular scene this morning. So Jesus was here teaching. He was here preaching. He was thousands of people gathered around. And Jesus is imparting uh, wisdom to them and God's word to them. In verse 13 it says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak unto my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge and a divider over you? And he said unto them, if you have a red letter edition here, you see a lot of this is in red. Jesus is speaking back to this young man. And I figured he was probably a young man. We're not really sure. But he, he probably wasn't, definitely wasn't an old man. His parents had passed away. And uh, it could have been, um, he could have been younger rather than older for sure. And Jesus said to him, in verse uh, number 15, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my goods, my fruits. And he said, This I will do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. And there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be 
which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. Father, I pray that you would use this passage, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, put your finger on the pulse of every heart in here, Lord, today, or spiritually. Help us, Lord, to, if we need to move something, help us, Lord, to move. If we need to change something, Lord, help us to change. If we need to increase, Lord, help us to increase. We pray, Lord, you meet us today where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of storing treasure. Storing treasure. Jesus spoke to this man. You imagine meeting, just meeting Jesus to start with, seeing Jesus in the flesh, seeing and understanding that Jesus is God in the flesh. You imagine being part of that crowd of those thousands of people that day, looking up at Jesus. Maybe he was standing in a boat. Maybe he was standing on a rock. Maybe he was standing on the hillside or wherever he was standing at. But he was standing there. And you imagine just taking it in that this is literally the Son of God speaking to me. And I'm going to ask him something petty about my inheritance. <laughs> you know, something that was totally off subject, totally off base. This young man had probably worked his way up to the front of the crowd to see if he could get Jesus to intervene on his behalf to his brother. And he was, had treasure on his mind. He didn't have Jesus' treasure on his mind. He didn't have eternal treasure on his mind, but he had treasure on his mind. And this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, storing treasure. I used to, um, before I say B.C., before children, um, we, I remember watching a TV show, and uh, we don't watch many TV, well, we watch TV shows now. They're all cartoons mostly, but anyway, they, uh, I remember watching this show where they were interviewing these people, that were little, real people that were in prison. And they would go over their story of what their crime was and how, I think the, it was how they got away with it or they almost got away with it or, you know, how they, you know, whatever. And I, I didn't want to watch it too much because I don't want to in, in any way glorify crime in any, any form or fashion. But there was one guy on there that was smuggling drugs from another country. And he, was, uh, he owned his own planes, and he was flying in from, I don't know where, into Florida. And um, he was, uh, I don't know where he was coming from, but that's where he was going into. And he was smuggling these drugs in. And, of course, they're dealing cash and all this stuff. And one thing stood out to me about this guy. Of course, he had millions of dollars. He had the mansion. He had his own airplanes. He had these nice cars. You know, um, I'm sure he had a, you know, a, a nice wife or girlfriend or whatever he wanted to, to buy. But anyway, he, he was there. He had these millions of dollars. One thing that stood out to me about this story, though, this man, of course, you deal in cash. You don't go to the bank and put all it in there because that would raise a red flag. So this guy would literally buy some PVC pipe, you know, about two feet long, put a cap on each end, and he would put a million dollars in that PVC pipe. And he would take that pipe out and literally bury it in his backyard. He had a million-dollar lawn, literally. And he, in his backyard, of course, it's sandy in Florida, so I guess it wasn't hard to dig. Around here, he'd break his shovel off, you know. But um, there, he would bury all these. He had 5 or $6 million in the backyard just laying there for anybody to find. Of course, that was his yard, and I, I expect it was fenced in, and maybe he had a dog. I don't know. But anyway, it, it, the show went on where, you know, if he got in a pinch or something or a hard bind or something like that or the police got after him, he would, or, you know, something happened, he would go back and just dig him up one and run off. He, he'd run off with a million dollars. And that's sure enough, that's what he did one time. And nobody ever found the other millions of dollars until he told them. See, y'all thought this was going to be some kind of treasure hunt mystery, didn't you? But no, he, he, I guess it was a plea agreement or something, so he finally did tell them. But he had all these, just, it was intriguing to me. That he had literally, he was in a house, the burglars broke in, they wouldn't find anything. He literally had it buried out in the yard. 
and that was his treasure chest. I guess if he buried under the tree, he'd have a money tree. I'm not sure, but but he had his treasure. All that stolen money was his treasure buried in the backyard. And, of course, he had his, his, that was his treasure. That was his livelihood. That was his life. He would trade family for that. He would trade, uh, uh, you know, honesty for that. He would trade law for that. He would trade anything for that. That was his treasure. And, of course, he got arrested and, and lost all of it. But anyway, but even worse than that story I just told you this morning is for somebody to store their treasure in the wrong spot, to store your eternal treasure I want to talk to you this morning about treasure you have here on earth, and all of us have it. I can look around and see all of us do have some treasure here on earth. But the story that Jesus points this young man to, and he's, I think he's speaking specifically to his disciples and all these thousands, but especially the disciples, they were uh, followers of Christ. They were going to be the leaders in the church. They were going to be the born-again Christians that people were going to look at and call them Christians because they followed Christ, that they had to make sure that they had their treasure in the right spot. And so this morning, I want us to look at just a couple of things. We've got about two points this morning for us to be able to look at about having your treasure stored in the right spot. Jesus is in, in the middle of a sermon. These disciples, talking to the disciples about all this other stuff, this man works his way up here to the front of the crowd, and he interrupts Jesus and says, look, I want you to tell my brother that he needs to share the inheritance with me. I don't, it, that's not the time or the place for that. They have civil laws and, and, and they had court systems back then and, uh, you know, something they could have fell back on in some other way that this could have been, could have been you know, fixed. It was, Jesus was not there to give legal judgment. He was, however, there to give moral one or moral judgment. And Jesus makes a point out of this guy coming up and he says, I want to point out to you what the greater problem is. The greater problem is not you and your brother bickering over your inheritance. And that still happens today, don't you know? You know anybody like that? That everybody gets along fine until somebody dies and they fight over whose stuff it is. That still happens. They have their treasure in the wrong spot. But this man had done this. He come to Jesus and he got, but Jesus uses this opportunity to point his disciples and everybody else there to look out for covetousness. It's something you need to guard against. And he was talking to his disciples, not just Judas Iscariot, the other 11 too, that you need to guard against covetousness because it will creep up in your life and the devil will always tempt you to be able to have your focus here on earth so your focus won't be on heaven. Your focus will be here on the things that you have occupied yourself with here on earth so you won't do anything that's worthy of being a treasure in heaven. Will uh, Rogers said one time, uh, many, too many people spend money that they don't, haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't even like. And sometimes we do that. We can get caught up in all the, the hem and hoe of life and what the, the next best thing is. And, you know, this is a season where we have treasure under the tree, especially if you're a kid. That's where the treasure is. It's under the tree. But we must never forget what the tree is there for. And at the top of the tree, we have a cross or a light or something. And it's to point us and remember the Christmas story. Someone once said, you possess your possessions, and then your possessions will possess you. You think your own, you own your own stuff, but, when, but then you have to service it, you have to clean it, you have to repair it, you have to mow it, you have to wash it, you have to update it, you have to bathe it, you have to keep up with it. And you discover that you don't own your stuff so much more as your stuff now owns you. There's a parallel passage to this, and I want you to see this. And you don't have to flip there. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And it says, lay not up for yourselves treasure in heaven 
Lay not up for yourselves, I'm sorry, I read that backwards. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where there neither moth nor rust does corrupt, where thieves cannot break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever your treasure is, there's where your heart is. And that's what Jesus was speaking of here when he was talking to this young man. The reason I know where your heart is is because that's where your treasure is. And you can look around today and see people where their treasure is, where most of their treasure is stored up, what means the most to them, and you can tell where their heart is, what they really believe, what's really important to them. God is not saying that it is bad to be wealthy. He's not saying to be wealthy is a bad thing. But it is a bad thing if it controls you and it causes you to want uh, and, and desire somebody else's stuff or more stuff. Like this young man in this, this parable, a parable is an illustration. It's an a, a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's something to point us. He was using this as a story to help us to understand what his point was. And he uses this man, this story. He had this great big you know, farm, and he, he had a great uh, crop come in that day, that year, and that harvest come in, and he had his barns weren't sufficient. And so he was going to pull down his barns. He made a decision that I want you to see here in verse 17, 18, and 19, the word I is mentioned about six times. The word my is mentioned about four times. This guy was all about my and me and I and self. And so as he thought through this, and Jesus ends up calling him a fool in verse number uh, 20, that his life was going to end that night, and all the stuff he had stored up was for naught. The man was not foolish because he had a great crop. He was not foolish because he, had a, a, he was blessed with a crop. He was not a fool for wanting to build more barns. He was not a, a, a dummy for wanting to have, you know, have some substance that he can kind of take it easy for a while. The man was foolish because he thought he could control the destiny of his own soul in verse 19. He said, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease. And he thought to himself that he had complete control over his destiny of his soul. And he could command his soul what to do and what not to do. He knew, thought he was in control of everything. And his treasure was here on earth. He had zero treasure in heaven. And Jesus said, don't look on somebody and think about what they have. And that's not the stature you should go by. And we can see today that it doesn't matter what your net worth is. It doesn't matter how good your portfolio looks and your financial advisor may tell you what you're worth. It doesn't matter what the bank may tell you when you go there and say, well, I want to borrow some money. And they look at you and say, not today. And uh, they look at your, your assets and what you own and say, you don't own anything worth anything. And you don't have, make enough money to pay the payment back. And we don't believe we're going to loan you this. That's not what Jesus looks at. That doesn't matter for eternity. In Luke 16, the beggar died. Lazarus died. Not Lazarus. Um, what is his name? Have to look at Luke 16 and find out. Um, the, the rich man died, and the beggar died, and the beggar went to heaven. The rich man did not. It does not matter about your social status. Covetousness means, you know, it's not a word we necessarily hear every day. So let me give you a quick definition. It means uh, being controlled by a desire for something else. Usually it is associated with wanting something somebody else has. Like we want to be a millionaire. And I just, I put my life's energy into becoming a millionaire. That's my end all in life is to be a millionaire and to have a, a huge retirement. And I don't lay anything up for heaven. Several words are translated to the word fool we see in the Bible. And that's not a word we teach our kids. We don't want to call each other that. 
And that's not a word we use on a regular basis. But it is used several times in the Bible. It's also translated here, foolish one. The man was being foolish because he had forgotten his soul. He had overlooked what he was supposed to be looking after to start with. The one used here uh, has nothing to do with the rich man's intelligence. He's not, excuse me, insulting the man's intelligence. He's not saying the man is ignorant. He's saying the man is foolish. He has made an intelligent decision to walk away from God. He has made an intelligent decision to store up treasure here on earth rather than treasure here in heaven. And most people today, we look around our, our world today, we have a whole lot of treasure here. We don't have hardly any up there or if any up there. There's just a couple of points I want to point out to you this morning as we go through this. And the first one is this. These are just some, th- some warnings not to do. Do not confuse today's blessings with tomorrow's reality. Do not confuse today's blessings with tomorrow's reality. See, the man was being blessed. He was making money. He was getting a profit. He's having uh, you know, to buy more servants. He was having to buy more barns. He was, he was, he was being blessed. Is it a crime to be blessed? course not the the point they're trying to point out here jesus is pointing out here we must use our blessing here on this earth to lay up treasure in heaven the the things that we have here on earth it's not a a a bad thing to be blessed you know lydia was a tremendous help tremendous help to paul in starting churches some of the first churches paul started in europe she was a tremendous help in that she was a businesswoman the bible calls her a seller of purple she sold garments of some kind (coughs) and uh some Velcro and put that thing on there with. And we, uh, she was a tremendous help uh, to Lydia, I mean to, to Paul. He, when Jesus died, he was in somebody else's grave. That was a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea. It's not a, a problem necessarily for you being rich here on this earth. God didn't have a problem with you being wealthy here on this earth. As long as we use our wealth to point other people to Christ, use ourselves and, and the things that God has given us to lay up treasure in heaven. You know, the guy that started, uh, the founder of uh, Hobby Lobby, uh, Green, I can't think of his first name, David, I want to say, David Green. And he's, uh, he's given over a billion dollars, half a billion dollars, excuse me, over half a billion dollars to charity. And that nothing, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. He's using what he, God has given him to point other people to Christ or attempt to point other people to Christ. And he's laying up treasure in heaven. Don't confuse today's blessings with tomorrow's reality. You may not know how much time you have left. Don't take today's blessings for granted. They may be gone faster than you think. The Bible tells us in the uh, Song of Solomon, and, and he tells us that our money taken is like a vapor or it has wings that flies away. And money's here one minute and gone the next. And you know, I don't know if you noticed that, but I, I noticed in my bank account sometimes I can have you know a little bit of cushion there, and it won't be but a week or two, I won't have any cushion there. And it just seems like I don't know where it went. And you have to go back and trace through all the bills that you've been paying, that kind of thing. And you guys know how this works. It can be gone just overnight. It can be gone. Never trust present blessings to secure future reward. Never trust present blessings to secure a future reward. You know, how come God didn't make us all rich? How come God just didn't? And there are some... some evangelists or preachers or, or speakers or, or whatever, they will tell you, you know, if you're blessed, you're, you're, God's going to bless you if you're saved. God's going to bless you if you're one of his. And that's true in a sense. God does bless us and God does give us blessings. Does that mean all of us are going to be rich? No, probably not. How come God just didn't do that? How come God just didn't get us 
and just, just hook us all up as soon as we got saved. Because everybody would be there for the wrong reason. The reason that God wants to have a relationship with us, the reason that we're going to talk about how to be rich towards God here in a minute, but the reason we need to have these things, because all the stuff you see around here, I want you to think about your life that this morning. How many things have you come in contact with that will last forever? How many things that you had in your possession this morning that you've touched or seen or heard or smelled or tasted or whatever that will last for all eternity? Not many. Not many at all. In fact, one of the things, you're probably in a place right now where you've been around more things that last for eternity than you have been all morning. Each other. Other people. People that will last forever. That's why it's so important for us to invest in children, invest in each other, and do those things that will last forever. Why are not all rich? Why are we not all running over with blessings? God blessed this man. He did the wrong thing with it, but God blessed him. Was it wrong for the man to, uh, you know, take an inheritance from his parents? Of course not. But the shape of the heart and the position of the heart and the condition of the heart makes all the difference in the world. Connecting with God does not depend on your social status <coughs> excuse me, or your financial standing. In fact, sometimes it's a, a tremendous barrier in people reaching God. That's why the New Testament tells us not many rich are in heaven. Because that material things they have here on earth is a tremendous uh, roadblock for them to be able to humble themselves, come before God, and say, God, I need your help because they have everything else they ever want or need. They can do anything they want here on earth. I want you to picture, I've seen pictures, and you have too, and <clears throat> seen videos maybe of churches in third world, we would consider third world countries, and they have just a block building with open windows and dirt floors and, you know, just a, a board there to sit on for a pew, not a padded chair or anything like that, just a board. And I've seen some pictures in, in South America where the, the rainy season, there would actually be rain on the water on the floor. They would walk through several inches of water to get to their pew and sit down, and the guy would be up there speaking, and there's open windows. You know it's bugs everywhere. I mean, it's just, it, it just can't be comfortable. And that God showed up in the place with a little dirt floor building, block building, you know, just, just looked like something we would, wouldn't even store our lawnmower in. And these people are packed in here elbow to elbow, and they're worshiping God, and God is meeting them there. Because it does not matter about your social standing. It matters where you are with God. And for us today in America, we've, we've become so uncalibrated that we put value on things that are very temporal, and we put a whole lot less value on things that are very eternal. So how do we become spiritually rich? Or how do we become, let me go ahead and read the last verse here again. See that you, so is he that lays not up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And I thought over and mulled over that, that phrase this, this week. And how do we become rich towards God? What does it mean to be rich towards God? What is, and of course, it's not about making money here on earth. It's going to be a spiritual thing. It's going to be something that lasts for eternity. So let me give you a couple of things here, and we'll finish with this. What does it mean to be spiritually rich towards God? It means that which lasts for eternity. Those things that have everlasting value. Those things that will, you can do something here on earth and send your treasure on the head. Like in the Matthew account a while ago that I read, that lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nobody can steal it. And it doesn't corrupt and it doesn't corrode. It doesn't just go away. It can't burn up. And God has laid it there in eternity and it will be yours for all eternity. You can't take anything with you when you leave, but you can send it on the head before you go. 
I think Brother Dale's told me, and I've heard it to other places, that you never see a hearse behind, I mean, a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, the great pyramids we look at in Egypt, these tremendous pyramids, that's that they thought they could take all their stuff with them. And you have this dead body laying down there with all this gold, surrounded by gold. And they can't take any of it with them. They were completely confused. And we do the same thing today. We don't lay up treasure in heaven. We can allow the things in this life to get in the way and confuse us and, and block our sight to be able to get to heaven. Let me ask you this. If I were uh, a, a rich man and I had a grandson that I, I really wanted my grandson to spend some time with me, and he didn't, but I really wanted him to spend some time with me, and I had, you know, I wanted to, wanted to leave him a significant inheritance, you know, that, uh, you know, some people even bypass their kids, leave their grandkids inheritance, but anyway, they... You know, they, he wanted to leave an inheritance for this kid, this grandkid. And he wanted this kid to have a relationship with him. And he wanted this kid to be able to spend some time with him. So he, he offered to, to pay the, the young lad to, to do some stuff around the house, you know. You come mow the grass, I'll give you, you know, whatever it is. And he wanted to give the kid the money, but he wanted the, the kid not just to stand there with his hand out. So he, he would give him things to do. And he wanted to spend time with him doing them. He wanted to mow the grass along with him. He wanted me to paint the fence with him. He wanted to spend some time with the kid. The, the end goal was for him to spend time with his grandson. And if he had to pay his grandson, he was going to give him money to him. Anyway, he wanted his son to be able to be, the grandson to be there and spend time with him. But he wanted to love him. He wanted him to love him back, to be able to get to know the granddad and to love the granddad back. Let me ask you this. Would it have been smart for the granddad to give the kid you know, $50,000, $100,000 in one lump sum, would that have been smart? Do you think the grandkid would have ever come back and visited again? Probably not. In our, day, in our society, probably not. He may have, but you know how this goes. But he given a little bit at a time so he would keep coming back, so he would get to know the granddad. He would keep coming back. He would get to know the granddad. The granddad didn't mind giving him money. He wanted to. That's what his intention was, to give him the money. But he wanted a relationship with that child, and he wanted that child to keep coming back and get to know him, to know what his interest was, to know what he did, and the things that he went through in his childhood, how he made his fortune, how he got to know to be who he was. My friend, God's the same way. God wants to bless you far more than you want to be blessed, I can guarantee. But God's not going to give it to you all at once. He's not going to give it to you. It just That's why not all of us in here are millionaires. As far as I know, none of us in probably in here, even somebody under the sound of my voice is a millionaire. The one percenters or whatever they call them these days. But it doesn't matter if you are or not. And, and, and if that's not my biggest goal in life to become a millionaire. That's, that's not even on my list. But God is the millionaire. And God simply wants us to come and spend time with him. And that's why God wants us to come and talk with him. Come spend time with him. Come be around him. And come know him, know who he is. God wants to give you the inheritance already, friend. God wants to give you heaven already. He wants you to be rich towards God. How do we become rich towards God? And that's what we're going to look at today. This is the reason God just didn't snap his fingers and everybody's tremendously blessed all over the earth. No, because God wants to, to us to come to him and have a relationship with him and seek his face and live for him. And we'll receive the inheritance later. And God wants to adopt us as dear children, children of God. What are the things, some of the things that make us rich towards God? Let me get a hold of these, and I'll, I'll finish up here in just a minute. Just hang on with me. Stay awake. 
Most importantly, you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that's kind of, we go over this about every service. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You cannot store treasure in heaven if you don't have an account there. You can't go down, downtown to the bank and say, hey, I want to draw out you know, $25,000, and you don't have an account there. That's not going to work. And you can, the other way, too, you can't go to some bank and say, hey, I want to deposit $1,000 if you don't have an account there. The same thing is true for us. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you cannot make a deposit there. You cannot have treasure in heaven. You cannot buy your way to heaven. But we can make deposits there because we're already going. Church attendance. Let me give you a couple here. I'm just going to go through a couple of them. Church attendance. You say, well, God counts your attendance? Of course he does. No, I don't know if God gives out awards for perfect attendance. Not everybody is at every church service. It's just not, just not possible. And uh, most pastors I know don't have perfect attendance every year. I don't have perfect attendance every year. And that's not about the perfect attendance. But God does say, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in Hebrews 10, 25. So it is important to God. How do we lay up treasure in heaven? How do we become rich towards God? Church attendance. Start being there at church. By the way, let me go out here on a limb and ask you, what is more important to you today than church? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because, you know, you're in church or you're watching this or whatever. But what's, what's more important to you than church? That's where your priorities are. Is, is church really a priority? Is attendance really a priority? Let me go out here a little bit further, William. Um, you know, and I'm all about, we're doing Facebook Live and we're doing de technology and that kind of thing. And, and this weird era we're living in with all these uh, viruses and stuff going around. Um, it's good to have technology. But I want to say this, it is more important for you to be in church, physically in church, than it is to watch church on the screen. Um, it, it is essential for you to be part of the church body. Of course, well, you can watch church all you want, but you can't be a part of that church body unless you're here. You know, you may come that day, you may go to the restroom that day during the church service and bump into another lady, a man, man in the man's restroom may bump into another man that's going through a tough time. He come to church looking for answers, and God sent you there at that exact time to dry your hands off at the paper towel machine, the same time he did, and you guys strike up a conversation, hey, look, you've been through the same thing he's going through, and God can use your life to touch his. You can't do that through a screen. And the fellowship is different. The church service is different if you're here physically. Now, this never happens to me, but let me uh, just give you an example. Say a pastor had a church of 200 people, and he had 200 people that regularly come. Every Sunday they came, 200 people did. And then he gets up one Sunday, and there's 40 people in the audience. Now, he's already prepared his sermon. He's already prayed. He's already done what he needs to do. God's going to lead him to the same message he's going to preach as, <coughs> excuse me, as if the place was full. But what do you think it does to the morale of the church? What do you think it does to the morale of the, of the pastor? You know, pastors may not mention that to you, but it does. It, it does have an effect. Now, numbers aren't everything, but it, it changes the dynamic of the worship service when you hear more people singing. It, it's easier to preach, I can tell you that up front. It's easier to preach to a full auditorium than it is one that's quarter of the way full or half full or, or whatever. So your church attendance does matter in the body of Christ. Your church attendance does help other people. Your church attendance will help you to be able to learn more about God. And it is a way that we can store up treasure in heaven. Not that God's counting their attendance, whether, you know, well, you missed three Sundays last year, so, well, guess what, bud? You're not getting but 100 pieces of silver. That's not that way. It's not that way at all. The blessing is being around God. You want to know God. You want to know who God is. You can lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven if you're born again, at least by, uh, simply by attending church and knowing more about God. And it shows people around you what's more important. 
We live in a day and age where Sunday is a new Saturday. Everything that everybody used to do on Saturday, they do it on Sunday now. I got another day off. You know, they, they changed the law in, in Virginia where you can go hunting on Sunday. You know, the people are out there hunting on Sunday. You already could fish on Sunday. Now they're out hunting on Sunday. Is the golf, you know, uh, club or whatever more important to you than Sunday does? Well, I can watch it later. What's more important to you? You know, is working more important to you? Now, I understand that, that we have to have people in law enforcement and we have to have people in, in hospitals and stuff like that. But a farmer doesn't have to be out there plowing the field on Sunday. What's more important to you? And it shows us where our treasure really is. It's not necessarily a gaining treasure by being in church, but it's a display of where your treasure is already at and what your priorities are and where's your heart at. Second thing, let me go on quickly here, Bible reading. <clears throat> you can't grow in your relationship with God if you do not know anything about him. You cannot know any more about God if you don't seek him and look for him and find him. God has given us a wonderful resource called the Bible. Many people in many other countries would, would do almost anything to have a copy of what you have, three or four copies in your house, and God has given it freely to us. Read it. That's how we store up treasure in heaven. That's how we know who God is. That's how we become more of what God wants us to do and actually step out and do something in this world, in this life, that will count for all eternity. Prayer. You have the best guide, the best counselor, the best advisor in the entire world. You don't need the latest book, the latest television show, or the latest counseling session. You need a deep relationship with God and talk with him in prayer. It will absolutely do wonders in your life. Talk to him. And the third, fourth thing is, and then this is an exhaustive list. It's just something we're going through this morning. Give generously or generously get in giving. Generosity in giving. If you know a millionaire or somebody that's, you know, close to being a millionaire, I know the people that I know that are, that are millionaires or are extremely wealthy are not usually uh, uh, known for their generosity either. They're pretty stingy usually. That it's not across the board. I understand that. But generosity does something for your heart. It does something for your soul. And God uses it to help us to be able to keep things in balance, to know that this is not the end all here in this life. Generosity and giving. You can't buy your way to heaven, but God can bless you in order to bless others. Let me end with this quickly. There was a young man who had a desire to be the most famous manufacturer and salesman of cheese. And that's, a, that's a lofty goal, right? Uh, to be the number one manufacturer and salesman of cheese in the world. He planned to become rich and famous by taking and selling cheese. He began as a young, young man <clears throat> with a little buggy pulled by a pony named Patty. After making his cheese, the youth loaded his wagon and he and Patty drove out into the streets of Chicago to sell cheese. Of course, this was a long time ago. You drive out in the streets of Chicago with a horse, now you probably get shot. As the months passed, young Kraft began to despair because he was not making any money. In spite of his long hours and hard work, nothing was coming in. One day he pulled his, he pulled, pulled his pony to a stop and began to talk to him. And that's probably good counsel. You talk to, you, talk to your mule or your donkey or your pony, and uh, they can't talk back to you, so it's good. But, Patty, there's something wrong, he said. We're not doing something right. I'm afraid we have things turned around backwards. Our priorities are not where they ought to be, Maybe we ought to serve God and place him first in our lives and worry about the business second. 
The young man's last name was Kraft. Kraft then drove, his home, his, uh, drove home and made a covenant that for the rest of his life he would serve God and then would work as God directed his work. Many years after that, Dr. Criswell heard James Kraft say, I would rather be a layman in, in the North Shore Baptist Church than the head of the greatest corporation in America. My first job is serving Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, if somebody were to ask you what your job is, what is your first job? How much treasure do you have laid up in heaven? Where are your priorities at? Especially this time of year, this season, where it's all about buying and impulse buying and they market that stuff and it gets frustrating and overwhelming. We must come back to the reality this stuff we have around here is not going to last forever. That we must lay up treasure in heaven. We must have, be at our heart right with God and be able to have a right perspective in life for God to better lead us and direct us to better reach other people, to bring them into heaven. That's what the most important thing is while we're here. To bring others into heaven. To see this church grow. Not necessarily just to have people here. But to see people know that their name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And they will go to heaven one day when they die. That's the most important thing. That's why God left us here. Where are you at with God? Would God consider you to be a fool today? That's pretty strong language, isn't it? And we just don't go around throwing that word out. But where are you at with God today? Have you ex ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you have not, you can do that today. We're going to bow in prayer here in just a minute. We're going to close. And Brother Gary, we're going to get you to come and close in prayer if you wouldn't mind. We're going to do something a little, uh, little bit different today. But I want Brother Gary to close us in prayer. But I want to ask you before Brother Gary comes, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, now will be an excellent day to do that. You can start laying up treasure in heaven right away and get your priorities right before God. And may we live as Christians that aren't carnal Christians, but Christians that have a right perspective to know that what I have, I can use for the glory of God, and I'll one day be in heaven where everything will be perfect and wonderful. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast. We hope you'll join us again soon. May God bless you.